0: Hello, seekers and scholars, listeners. I'm Jonathan Eder, host of the podcast, and we are bringing you a special bonus track to episode 82, The Christian Science Monitor, Social Work, and Boston Settlement Houses. Our guest is Mark Sappenfield, editor of The Christian Science Monitor. And the purpose of this bonus material is to give you the chance to hear a response to the episode from someone with a professional expertise related to the content we shared in it, somebody with a stake in that material. So, Mark, it's great to have you with us. Mark, what came to mind as you read the article upon which this episode was based, the Christian Science Monitor and Boston Settlement Houses? That was an article that was featured on the library's website. And then as you listened to the episode itself, in terms of being the editor today of the Christian Science Monitor, looking back at what it was reporting on in those early years, in this case, the years 1912 and 1913 and the Boston community at that point?
1: Well, a couple things came to me. First, I'll jump straight at the issue itself, which is these settlement houses. It struck me how current that was. Mm. This was, you say, 1912, so we're talking... 110 years ago, and yet you almost could have, not entirely, but you almost could have cut and pasted that article into today's edition. Mm -hmm. Obviously not the facts involved, but the themes involved and the questions that were being asked by society. They're the same questions about immigration, about how we should handle immigration, about how we should help immigrants or not help immigrants, as some people think. And even to the point, very interesting, where you talked about, at least in the printed version, this question about kind of the savior complex. Mm. You know, is someone coming in and trying to save someone as opposed to stepping up and giving people agency to save themselves? All of these things incredibly relevant to today. And not only that, not only are the issues relevant, but if you look at the solution, again, we are 110 years further on, so you're probably not going to build... Tenement housing on roofs or having people (laughs) do things on roofs. But that same innovation, ingenuity, that same, I would say, compassion, those are still guiding forces in the immigration debate right now. And the question is, how are they applied? How can they be applied fairly? How can they be applied with rule of law? How can they be applied so that one group is not benefited and another group is not benefited. It's that phrase, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I I suppose that really struck me. Not that we're just going around and around and around, but to be honest, when you're a country like America, which is such a magnet because of the values it expresses, because of the prosperity it has, this is going to be a perpetual question. A story like this shows us, yes, we might not apply the exact same solutions they've done, but reading those, those are lessons that can be learned and applied to today in the context that's relevant for today. So that was the first thing that jumped out at me. The second was in journalism today, there is a growing popularity of what's called solutions journalism. Mm -hmm. Solutions journalism, I can't tell you when it actually started, but there's this very specific solutions journalism network that was started by a woman Tina Rosenberg of the New York Times, I don't know how long ago she started it, somewhere on the order of probably a decade ago, maybe a little bit more. Because of news avoiders in the news business, we talk about people who are so frustrated or angered or or afraid of the news that they're just turning it off. They're saying, it's bad for my mental health to read the news, so I'm just not going to do it. Right. And solutions journalism has been seen as a way of addressing this. And it's interesting when we talk to people about solutions journalism, we often say well we've been doing it for 115 years or you know 116 years whatever we are at right now for the monitor. And it was interesting to read and say yes we have been. You know that's that was kind of I wouldn't say it was a throwaway statement, but we know the values of the monitor, we know that those values have been expressed over the entire history of the monitor since it was founded in 1908. But to see such strong evidence of it. I mean that was solutions journalism.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: in 1912, So there was something gratifying about that in seeing that what we are doing today, to me, and obviously this is in the eye of the beholder, but still very much is in line with what Archibald McClellan, who was the first editor of the Monitor, did back at the very beginnings of the Monitor, that initial impetus.
0: Well, Mark, so fabulous to hear your thoughts. They really speak, I think, to what our intentions and our highest ideals for the episode were as well, to kind of Feature that positive spirit that the monitor had at the same time, one that was in a very sober way looking at what was happening with the um, settlement houses. So, cheerleading, but also being mindful of giving an accurate account of what was happening. And also, your thoughts about the savior complex was so interesting, I thought, in those monitor articles that I found, because some of them sort of backed up that notion of the settlement houses as reflecting the host culture as feeling that its values were superior and you needed to learn about them if you were an immigrant and adopt them. But then there were other articles that really suggested a balance between the two and that the immigrant cultures that were coming in were just as much offering inspiration to the host culture as the other way around.
1: Well, what you say is, again, totally relevant to journalism today. Were the settlement houses somewhat patronizing of imposing a culture on another culture, or were they empowering? Mm -hmm. Well, the answer is probably both. Right. You know, and I think that's a lesson that we talk about in the monitor a lot today, which is that the truth is in the nuance. Mm -hmm. And that if the story isn't nuanced, it probably is not true. Not that it's false, but it's probably not really giving you a full view of how things are. And part of what the monitor's job is, is to show that the nuance is important and to show that the nuance is compelling. And I think you put your finger there on, on a bit of nuance that is really compelling, which is that anything really can be used for good or can be used uh, for ill. And in this case, you have an example where I'm sure there are certain settlement housing units that were really run with the idea of empowering and giving agency. There probably were some that were run with the sense of superiority and uh, patronizing. And I think the journalism has to bring that out, as opposed to becoming something that is promotional in favor of these things. It's about we support these ideals. We support agency among these people. We support helping them get to a sense of safety and prosperity and all of these things. And the same thing can do it and the same thing can't do it. And I think that's why journalism has to make sure that it doesn't fall into shallow narratives and really
0: report on what's going on. Well, that's fabulous. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for spending a little time with us and sharing your thoughts and insights about what was going on in our episode 82 on the Christian Science Monitor, social work, and Boston settlement houses at a level with pertinence for the Monitor today. Thanks so much. Thanks, it was fun. Thank you so much for listening to this Seekers and Scholars bonus track for episode 82, The Christian Science Monitor, Social Work, and Boston Settlement Houses. I'm Jonathan Eder. Thanks again for listening.
1: This podcast was produced by
0: the Mary Baker Eddy Library, copyright 2023.